Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, October 25th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. A lot to get into. Let's start with the 54-7 to win over Indiana this past Saturday. Buckeyes only favored by 21. They win by 44. Man, they look impressive. Let's start with the offense. We'll get to the defense in a moment. This is the number one offense in the country, both total offense and scoring. 560 yards per game. Nearly 50 points per game, 49.3 points per game. So they have the number one total offense and the number one scoring offense in the country. It is a lot of fun to watch. Furthermore, I think we're watching the best offense in Ohio State history. In fact, I'd be shocked if this is not the best offense in Ohio State school history. Just looking at, let's go back to 95. That's one that stands out, of course. You know, you have Walt Harris coming in, taking over as the offensive coordinator. Bobby Hoying at quarterback, Eddie George's Heisman Trophy season. You know, Terry Glenn won the Bolitnikoff. They had Orlando Pace anchoring the offensive line. That was a hell of an offense, 1995. I'd put this one over that one. You know, 2013 was really good. 2019, just two years ago, I mean, J.K. Dobbins rushed for over 2,000 yards. The only Ohio State running back to ever eclipse 2,000 yards in a season. And they could throw the ball well with Justin Fields and the guys. So 2019 was a really good offense as well. This one takes the cake. I mean, there's so many strengths. There's no weaknesses. It starts with Ryan Day, just his design, and then everything else. C.J. Stroud, I'll talk about him in a moment. This running back core led by Travion Henderson, this offensive line, the best wide receiving core we've ever seen at Ohio State, one of the best tight ends to come through here in Jeremy Ruckert, who's now had two games where they've really focused on him, had a big game this past Saturday against Indiana. So this offense, we're watching not only the best offense in college football this year, we're watching the best offense in Ohio State history, and uh, it's a tremendous amount of fun. C.J. Stroud, of course, is a big reason why they're playing like they're playing right now. I mean, again, there's a lot of reasons. He's a huge reason. Yeah, I mean, you can't have an electric offense without a great quarterback, and the Buckeyes have a great quarterback. He now has the third best odds to win the Heisman Trophy, and there's not really like somebody who's running away with it by any means. Bryce Young is the favorite, and... I mean, you look at him compared to C.J. Stroud, they're the same age, came from the same class, both kids from California as well. Both quarterbacks out of that 2020 class, Bryce Young was ranked a little bit higher than C.J., but um, I mean, C.J.'s numbers are right there, but Bryce Young's right now the odds-on favorite, according to Vegas, Matt Corral from Ole Miss, second best odds, and then C.J. Stroud is right there. So, I mean, he's playing so well right now. <laughs> there were so many good throws he made against Indiana. Indiana's defense... You know, they didn't look like it against this Ohio State juggernaut offense, but Indiana's defense is actually legit. Their offense is terrible, and we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, C.J. Stroud was throwing the ball. There were times guys were wide open. It's a Ryan Day offense. That's going to happen. He exploits mismatches as well or better than any coach in college football. There were also times there were some tight windows. And C.J. Stroud was putting the ball in perfectly, not well, but perfectly. You know, the best example, if you DVR'd the game, is the first play of Ohio State's second drive. First play of the second drive, he throws a ball to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had three guys around it. I mean, an NFL quarterback couldn't have thrown that ball any better. Tom Brady could not have thrown that ball any better. That's how well C.J. Stroud is playing right now. And it's amazing when you consider early in the year, we're thinking, uh-oh, 
Is he going to need to get benched? Just, you know, there is, there's a huge drop-off from C.J. Stroud to Justin Fields. We knew there'd be a drop-off. It looks like there's a huge drop-off. But right now, yeah, there's still a drop-off. I'm not going to say he's Justin Fields, but there certainly is not a huge drop-off. He is playing great football right now. He's even showing, you know, he, he hasn't needed to do it much. He's even at times showing a little bit of a willingness to run, which is the one thing I think he still needs to add to his game. But the way he's throwing the ball, he's throwing the ball, you know, as good or better than Justin Fields ever did. And that's saying a lot. Um, so CJ Stroud uh, could not be more impressed with his development and how he's been playing of late. Looking at the running backs, Travion Henderson, it's so exciting because he's one of the best home run hitters we've seen ever at Ohio State. And He's not even getting a lot of touches yet. He leads the nation in yards per carry. He also can take it the distance anytime he catches the ball. He's got it all. He would be absolutely, and he still kind of is in the Heisman conversation. I, mean, I think he's got like the, I was just looking, I think he's got like the sixth or seventh best odds, but you know, the, the odds go way, way, way down when you get to like, you know, the running backs, it looks like it's going to go to one of the quarterbacks, but Travion Henderson's putting up an excellent year, considering the fact he's not even getting that many touches. Can you imagine if he was getting 25 touches a game? But the good news is this is going to keep him fresh down the stretch. He also has been a little banged up here. He got banged up early against Indiana, then came right back in the following series. So that was great to see. You're a little worried there. You're like, uh-oh, is Trey hurt? He has just been. And we expected him to be good, and he's been even he's even exceeded our expectations. It's crazy. Uh, good time to have Mayan Williams back. As I told you guys on the show, told you many times, Mayan was, uh, you know, they're not going to say this publicly, and I don't blame them, but mine was in the doghouse. You know, it wasn't anything serious, but uh, he, he was in the doghouse a little bit. And what a great time to get him back because Master Teague was out and they needed mine to get in there because after Trey got hurt briefly, it was Mayan who you know, carried the load for the rest of the drive, had that touchdown. It was really good to have him back because while I think Master Teague is a solid back, I think Mayan Williams is clearly the second best back on this team behind Travion Henderson. Uh, hopefully they get Master Teague back because you're going to need depth. As, as we're just talking about right now, you just never know. You always need at least two guys. And, you know, there's the old saying, you need a pair and a spare. And Evan Pryor was the spare and looked good as a true freshman. Marcus Crowley, they're not, again, they're, I don't know what Ohio State's going to say about this, but our Patrick Murphy reported this for those that didn't see it, um, that uh, Marcus Crowley is dealing with a knee injury. Unfortunately, we're hearing it might be serious. Hopefully it's not, but that's why he didn't play against Indiana. So they were down two scholarship running backs, uh, and there's only five on the roster. So, But Travion Henderson stays healthy, and Mayan Williams stays healthy, and Evan Pryor stays healthy. They'll be fine, but they're going to need depth. And if you're wondering, I don't know what's going on with Master Teague. I'm going to try and find out. I will let you guys know either on the show or on the site or both. I'm hoping to find out today, and if I do, we'll put something on bucknuts.com either on the front page or the front row message board or both. If we can glean what is going on with Master Teague, if he is dealing with some type of injury or if he maybe uh, was dealing with an illness, we'll find out what's going on with Master Teague. But great time to have Mayan Williams back. And from my understanding, there's no grudges that are being held. It wasn't anything serious. It's not like they're going to hold a grudge. You know, Mayan's now back in good standing, and that comes at a great time. All right, let's look at the defense. Now, there's no doubt it's much improved, and I like what Matt Barnes is doing. I like that the D-line is stepping up. Zach Harrison played a really good game against Indiana. And you're looking at the stats now. The stats have gone way up for the defense. They're now the number 48 total defense in the country, giving up 350 yards per game. Now, normally for an Ohio State defense, you'd be like, ah, that's not good enough. Number 48 in the country. Well, it wasn't too long ago they were ranked in the hundredths. Of, they were ranked like 120th in the country in total defense. So they have improved exponentially in the rankings. 
And when you have the number one offense in the country and perhaps the best offense in school history, like we were talking about, as long as you have a top 50-ish defense, that could be enough to win the national championship. You can't have a terrible defense, but you don't need an elite defense if you have an elite offense. You just need to have a good defense or at least an above-average defense, and that's what I'm seeing out of Ohio State now. Now, when they play teams like Indiana that already look awful offensively, then are down to their third and fourth-string quarterbacks, it's really hard to tell. I mean, let's just be real about it. It was fun to see the defense play the way they did, but Indiana is terrible on offense. Listen, my friends, they were terrible even early this year when they had Michael Penix, who everybody predicted would be first-team All-Big Ten quarterback. Um, Then he got hurt. Again, even with him, they were struggling. They put Jack Tuttle in there. They were not looking good with Jack Tuttle. This is entering the Ohio State game. You're looking at this offense is just not good at all, even with their second-string quarterback, who was a pretty, you know, decently highly rated recruit coming out of high school. He was Chris Olave's high school quarterback there in the San Diego area, began his career at Utah, and then transferred to Indiana. So even, you know, with a guy that people consider is serviceable or maybe a decent quarterback, they were terrible offensively then what happens early in the Ohio State game Tuttle gets hurt they have to go to their third string quarterback their fourth string quarterback even played Tuttle tried to go back in the game but he was hurt so listen I'm not trying to be Davy Downer here because I am again I am bullish on this defense in the direction they're headed I, I like what Matt Barnes is doing I like what I'm seeing out of certain areas of this personnel but again They've played some horrible offenses lately. Horrible. I mean, Indiana, you know, down to their third string quarterback, it's hard to get a gauge on that. So I'm not really sure what to make of it. I I do like the direction of the defense, but we can't put too much stock in um, how the defense looks against an absolutely atrocious offense like Indiana down to their third and fourth string quarterbacks. But again, Zach Harris is stepping up. There's some things you can really take away. Uh, yeah, Zach Harris is playing like we thought he would play. I mean, and then there's guys playing that I, I still can't believe they're playing as much and as well as they are. I mean, Tyleek Williams, I never expected that in a million years. He'd come in as a true freshman and be basically, you know, in my opinion, it's a toss up of who's the best defensive tackle on the team, which is crazy because Haskell Garrett's really, really good. And we would have thought there's no question he's the best defensive tackle on the team. And he probably is as a fifth year senior. And he's really good. He's going to be, you know, I've been reading some mock drafts, you know, they have him either as a second-round pick. I think the worst I've seen is like a third-round pick for Haskell Garrett. So really, really good player. And a true freshman that nobody really expected was going to play is right there with him as the best D-tackle on the team. So Tyleek Williams, you know, we've given a lot of props to Denzel Burke, and rightfully so, and Tui Moloal, and you know, a lot of these freshmen, true freshmen that are playing a lot. But Tyleek Williams, to me, is the biggest pleasant surprise. I mean, you look at uh, what Travion Henderson's doing on offense, and yeah, I mean, that's a pleasant surprise, but I expected a lot out of him. He's exceeding my expectations, but I expected almost nothing out of Tyleek Williams, and he has been playing great football all year, and I like having a 330-pound D-tackle in there. It seems like all of their D-tackles are right around 300 pounds. We get Tyleek Williams in there, 330, and moves really well. So I like where this defense is going, but I want to see them against better competition. We'll get to Penn State in a moment. and Man, I don't know how much better the competition is going to be if Sean Clifford's banged up. One more thing on the defense, though, real quick. Steel Chambers, to me, is now, in my opinion, I've been saying I think Cody Simon's the best linebacker on this team. I still like Cody Simon, but he just gets lost in coverage too much. I, I think Steel Chambers is the best linebacker on this team. And I know some of you have been saying that, so you're probably saying, finally, you've come around. I've been high on Steel Chambers the entire year, though. I just thought Cody Simon was better. I, you know, Steel Chambers, the way he's playing, uh, see ball, get ball. But now you're seeing the game slow down for him a little more. It's not just heat-seeking missile. It's, oh, okay, I I need to do this. It's not just 
every play see ball get ball which is a good quality to have but you also need to play the mental game and you're seeing that with steel chambers it's a crash course he's still seven games into his career as a linebacker and he's looking really good he's looking like the best linebacker on the team you can't draw a perfect parallel with what happened with zach Bourne in 2012 but it is reminiscent i mean zach Bourne moved mid-season you know and and completely solidified the defense and you know, Steel Chambers didn't move midseason. He was tinkering with it in the spring and then moved full-time to begin fall camp. But it is a little bit reminiscent of what we saw with Bourne uh, back in 2012. Uh, so Steel Chambers, hats off to him. All right, Penn State. Now, <laughs> before their overtime loss to Illinois, nine overtimes, they lose to Illinois, 20-18. to 18. The game was in Happy Valley. It was crazy. If you didn't see it, it, it was absolute madness. A uh, new rule this year in college football, once it goes to a third overtime, it becomes a two-point conversion derby. And the Nittany Lions and Fighting Illini proceeded to go five straight overtimes without converting a two-point conversion. So they each had five tries. They each missed on all five tries. That is 10 straight two-point conversions combined that they missed on. So it went all the way to ninth overtime. In the eighth overtime, they both finally got a two-point conversion. And then the ninth overtime, Penn State, Missed theirs, Illinois got theirs, Illinois won 20-18. to 18. I will finish the show in a moment talking about college football overtime rules. Let's talk about Penn State. Before that game, the spread, the early spread for Ohio State, Penn State was 11. Ohio State favored by 11. Penn State losing to Illinois and with Sean Clifford being banged up again. That's dropped all the way to 18, or risen to 18, I should say. Ohio State now favored by 18 points this Saturday night at the Horseshoe over Penn State. Things you didn't expect a few weeks ago, huh? Penn State was ranked number two in the country. Did you think Ohio State would be favored by 18 over them? I didn't either, but they are. Penn State not looking good. Sean Clifford played against Illinois, but man, he probably shouldn't have. I mean, he's coming off what looked like a rib injury, some type of, if it was, if it's not a rib injury that he suffered their previous game against Iowa and they were leading Iowa till Sean Clifford got hurt and it's giving him a lot of pain. I mean, he, even just when he falls down, he just looks like he's in extreme pain. So curious decision to play him. I mean, he could barely walk at times, especially you go nine overtimes, even though it's a two point derby after that uh, second overtime, still, that's a lot of pleasure out there. And he could, he, he was getting banged up. So I'm sure he'll play. He's an Ohio guy. He's from Cincinnati. I, I have no doubt he'll play this week, but he's going to be way less than 100%, it looks like. So that's going to hurt Penn State. So again, Ohio State's defense, I mean, they're going to be playing another offense that is very substandard, you know, very shoddy. Now, Penn State's defense is good, but you know, I think they'll be able to slow down Ohio State's offense here and there, but not enough, not over 60 minutes. You're not going to stop this Ohio State offense. They're going to break through eventually. You're going to have to score to keep up with Ohio State, and Penn State's not going to be able to do it. I think the 18-point spread sounds about right. I won't be surprised if Ohio State wins this game by three touchdowns or more, and I had never thought I'd say that a few weeks ago. But with Clifford being so banged up, and their offense wasn't that good to begin with. It wasn't as terrible as Indiana's, but it's not like Penn State had a great offense to begin with this year. Without Clifford, I mean, they, they don't have a capable backup quarterback, and if he's at the, out there at 70% or worse, which it looks like he is, I just don't see them being able to stay with Ohio State. They tend to play over their heads against Ohio State. They, you know, Penn State looks at the Buckeyes as their rival, but this year I think Ohio State's going to take it to them. All right, last thing, as promised, let's talk about overtime rules in college football. I've never liked them. 
it was just lazy years ago they basically just adopted the the high school rule and they just went with that get the ball at the 25 each team da, 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 da. you're already in field goal range to begin overtime i always thought that was stupid and now they've made it even worse here's what they need to do and i've said this for years each team gets the ball at midfield okay then you at least have to get one first down and really probably two unless you pick up you know a lot of yards on, on your first first down you probably have to get at least two first downs to even be in field goal range. You should not start overtime in field goal range. You should have to play some real football, actually have a drive, you know, and that also makes it tougher, obviously, to score a touchdown. You have to at least get into field goal range, and then it's harder to score a touchdown. And you know what this is going to lead to? Less times where it's like triple overtime or quadruple overtime or goes to a ninth overtime like we saw on Saturday. Now, it was exciting. For those of you who were saying, oh, come on, it's exciting. I agree with that, but there's a lot of things we could do when the game hits overtime that would be exciting. That probably wouldn't be a great way to decide a football game. You could do the old thing that they did in the XFL where you put the ball in the middle of the field, you have one guy on the 40, the other guy on the other 40, blow the whistle, they run, whoever gets the ball first, then you win the game. I mean, there's all kinds of fun things you could do. How about really playing football? That'd be a fun thing to do. Each team gets the ball at the 50, and then it's probably only going to be one overtime maybe two at the most. You're not going to have some, you know, these teams that are going to be, you know, going to third and fourth overtime. So I think that's what they need to do. Are they going to change the rule? Not if they just change it again. I mean, they're, they seem to be committed to this idea that they want to start overtime with the ball already in field goal range. But hopefully they change that. I don't think they ever will. Yes, it's exciting, but we should not have two-point conversion derby to decide a college football game. All right, well, that is all from me on the Observation Deck. Thank you very much for joining me for today's show. I appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Mm-hmm.